Welcome to the PMR podcast. I'm your host, Claire, founder and director of Prestige Medical Recruitment, a GP and RG recruitment agency. This podcast is for GPs, RGs and practice managers who want to hear from experts in law, accounting, finance and recruitment, among others. I will also be speaking to doctors who locum and hear about their journeys, as well as providing you with some recruitment tips along the way. I'm recording this podcast from the traditional lands of the Garna people and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome. Today we are speaking with Sarah Bartholomew from U Legal. Sarah founded U Legal in 2013 and has over 20 years of experience as a lawyer. Sarah comes from a family of doctors, so the medical community is one she and her team care deeply about. In this episode, we discuss payroll tax, independent contractor agreements, and we cover some of the red flags that practice owners need to be aware of. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for listening. Well, tell me a little bit about your background, how you started out and what your specialties are within legal, within law. Sure. So I started you legal 10 years ago in October. It's really oh, wow. coming up. I uh, know I was seven months pregnant with my second baby at the time. And I've been working for a big corporate company as an in-house lawyer. And I was made redundant. Oh, wow. And I thought, what should I do? Should I wait till baby Nicola is six months old and start looking for another job or should I take my future into my own hands and start a business? And it's funny to think about it now, but I thought it was the less risky option to not get another job, but to start my own business and have lots of different clients so that if one of them said, we can't work with you anymore, which is essentially what my big company had done, it wasn't as much of an impact for my yes. family. And I was also looking for flexibility, which wasn't as much of a thing as it is now, 10 years ago, two under two. And so it was amazing. But of course, when you start a business, you work all the time. <laughs> and I didn't know that. So I worked until the baby was born and then I took about six weeks off. But I found that I was so in demand with different clients needing things that I could work more flexibly, but I couldn't take a lot of time off, which was fine actually, because she was the kind of baby that just slept all the time. And so I worked oh, when she was asleep. A dream. I know. It was a dream. It was a dream. <laughs> And so for a while, we worked with corporate clients. That was my experience. And then we did a really big transaction for a client that made car parts. It was half a billion Australian dollars. It took about a year. And it was a big chunk of our client client fees. And so it was after that was sold that I thought, what is it that I want to do with my life? Like, do I want to keep working with all these people who create products for people to buy or do I want to make a difference in the world somehow and so I come from a medical family of surgeons and dentists and allied health so a big range of of health professionals and so really that was that was a turning point where I thought I want to help people who help people and then our firm can help people more widely in the world 
and feel like we're doing good every day. Yes, I love that. So from what point would you say that you really started to hone in on the medical space? About, I would say, six years ago now. So, yeah, I met April Armstrong. We were both winners in the Telstra Businesswomen's Awards. And for those who don't know, she's a high-profile GP, particularly now, maybe less so then. She was really amazing at the business she was running at Kalgoorlie, but she hadn't started the business for doctors community at that stage. And I was actually with her when she started it. Oh, oh, wow. The day that she had started it, we were in a hotel lobby in Adelaide and she was showing me the it was like watching something go viral was the first time I'd ever seen that and people just joining the group and they had to join with their um, registration number so only doctors can be in the group and it was just like quite amazing to see so I've been with business for doctors from the very early stages too right wow I never realized that that is so interesting I've never spoken to her but I know the name obviously I know April's name and I know business for doctors that's so cool I love that and I've seen you sometimes do webinars and stuff with them right so you're quite like involved with yeah okay yeah I mean they've been so supportive of Um, me that I love supporting their community as well. Yeah, brilliant. So one thing that is a hot topic at the minute is payroll tax. It is. And so with the Thomas and Naz case last year, reigniting that debate, and we've had that case, the huge case up in Queensland, what can practices do now to help protect? Is there anything they can do that can protect them over the coming months? It's a really good time to start thinking about that because there are amnesties in different states at the moment. So Queensland has an amnesty that's coming to an end in September and South Australia, yes, really soon. We're about to do a newsletter saying, hey, if you haven't thought about this, it is time to think about it. And then South Australia has an amnesty as well. And Victoria very recently released a ruling, but no amnesty. So if you haven't already, there's a great opportunity now to review the way that you're structuring your practice in terms of the payment of doctors and what you require of them. And to think about if you're willing to make changes or if you're willing to accept things the way they are and maybe start thinking about how you pay tax differently Mm, yeah and so for the practices who for example there are practices who may be exempt because either a they might be one doctor banned and fall under the threshold to pay payroll tax or two they might have a couple of gps who do work in other areas and therefore are most unlikely to meet that what's the term relevant contract is it It's definitely worth getting advice about if what like what your risk is, I suppose. I wouldn't be trying to work it out myself. It's an extremely complicated area and it's not just this state revenue office tax. There's a lot of elements into that go into whether uh, a person is an employee or if they're independent and yeah, it's sort of not worth taking the risk on at this stage, I think, because we know it's a hot topic for different government departments and 
we want to be doing the right thing as business owners and we we don't want to be paying tax we don't have to obviously but we want to be on the right side of things and we don't want to be surprised by something later mm. what is difficult and you alluded to it later is uh, earlier is what is the right thing to be doing and in the absence of a lot of case law, which is what clarifies what people should be doing, that's what the Thomas and Nas case has done, it is hard to know. The rulings are very, it's very difficult to see how without the doctors being truly independent and the money flowing directly to the doctors, how it seems like the payroll tax will catch people. Mm-hmm without really making very big changes to the structure of practices. Yeah. And that is actually something that we spoke about a couple of years ago is before payroll tax was even a hot topic, it was about the agreements that are in place because a lot of the practices, I guess, just felt safe in providing this doctor an agreement that said, we want you in on these days, these Mm. hours, which, you know, a lot of a lot of the things that they were requiring of them were of an employee and not necessarily an independent contractor. So even from that point of view, what should practices be looking out for if they're going it alone, which we obviously don't recommend. We recommend you go to a lawyer, somebody who specializes in this and get the right contracts in place. But somebody who has maybe done it from their own in the beginning, they're now looking at reviewing contracts. What do they need to be? What are the red flags essentially? Yeah, so the red flags are anywhere you have control over the professional, where that, and I think this applies not only to GPs, but to dentists and allied health. Mm. And so thinking about how you engage with all of those people. But as you said, it's that control element. So if there are requirements to work on Saturdays or requirements to provide notice about annual leave if there's a restraint of trade that is considered oh, uh, more a of an employee well. that okay. was a Thomas and Nas big one if you require them to wear uniforms that that can catch you uh, I don't think many people do that but that was one that was in the optical superstores case which sort of started this whole um, okay. discussion about employee versus contractor So there's some red flags. It's obviously not all of them, but that control element of where where you want them to even come to staff meetings. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's the basis. I mean, all right, fair enough. You might say to the doctor, you can choose your own hours. Give us a heads up what you want to work. You don't have to do Saturdays. But of course, most practices would want like at least someone to work on a Saturday well they would also want a weekly meeting right like a lot of practices Mm. might sit down on a Friday at lunch so I didn't realize that that was that would have been a big red flag is it just the requirement of time yes the requirement for them to attend right if it if it's optional I suppose that's different yeah okay so when you're going through this for different practices are you are, are practice managers and practice owners now they might be more aware aware of it than a few years ago but is are these red flags even something that they're aware of or are they, a lot of them shocked when you're going through and telling them what they can and cannot ask 
of someone. Yeah, so there's two different schools of thought, I suppose. There's some people who just want their agreement reviewed or updated or a new agreement. Uh, and I'm, and then there's other people who really want to deep dive and really understand. And so it's two different scopes of work. There's the ones who want to really understand the ruling and everything that goes in it. And then there's some people who just say, just do my agreement, in which case we take instructions and then in the agreement we'll say this could be a red flag if you want a restraint or if you need people to work Saturdays, for example. So we do provide that sort of high-level advice, but if people want a deep dive, which some people do, uh, we will. And we're also finding more practices are switching to an employment model. And so there's ways that you can do that with GPs where they're a casual employee maybe or a part-time employee and you are accruing for leave and paying super and you can still do that on with there being a percentage payable. And so the GPs aren't necessarily or aren't out of pocket because they don't want to be the money might be flowing to them slightly differently as an employee uh, and then these practices are just accruing for payroll tax and somebody pays it and presumably that's the patient yeah well I mean the doctors aren't you know I I can't see a lot of doctors wanting to take on that extra percent and lose that out of their wage and unless the government do something about it the clinics certainly can't afford to so Mm. then it it's going to have to be passed on to the patient, isn't it? And that's the mm. end of billing then if if that's the case. Yeah, and then in, in, and then emergency departments are busier and, yeah, yeah. it has flow-on effects all over the place. Yeah, well, watch this space. <laughs> and so with the contract agreements that you're saying, a lot of practices are moving into employee. I actually didn't think that would even be possible because I don't know enough about that space I was wondering how would it all work, especially with the percentage of billings versus, yeah, like an, an annual salary. So that's that's really interesting. That's something that we should maybe cover again. But with the contracts as they stand now, apart from the, particularly say with sole traders. Mm-hmm. So something we're seeing more and more of is a lot of clients are worried about, say, an employee entitlement claim and yes. being responsible for superannuation of sole traders down the line. So right now, yes. what they're advertising is, this is the rate, maybe it's two, five a day. And they're saying, this is the rate, but if you if you have a sole have trader a at the end, it is inclusive of super. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit more about that for the clients or the doctors who don't quite understand why are these clients doing that? Because they're saying, no, I want my super on top and this isn't fair and why are we getting penalized? And can you, from, yeah, from your expertise, I suppose, tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. So there was a case last year as well called JAMSEC and we've got an article coming up about this for those who are interested. Look on the U Legal website. In that case, the independence of the contractor was really confirmed through there being a different entity that the contract was entered into. So rather than it being a sole trader personal relationship, it was a contract, a a company or a trust. And so we always recommend to practice owners that it is best practice for the doctors to 
contract on this basis. You find some resistance from them. It's a creating a new company might be mm. like it's like a whole different person in your family in a way they have to have their own tax return and so it increased compliance costs but it does decrease the risk of there being those future entitlement claims for superannuation or for leave if the relationship goes sour between the parties and of course mm. you know relate in business relationships really are everything and so you as an owner do want to be making sure that your relationships with your stakeholders, including doctors, are positive, um, which can be difficult when you're worrying about paying all the bills. But that's why you'll see those different rates Mm. being advertised. And so I guess it's not just about even with the payroll tax thing, just because somebody has a PTY or a trust that's not going to necessarily help them. But would having a sole trader ABN, would that be another red flag in those cases? Yes, it's another risk area. Okay, wow. I know, it's such a complex area. Even we like hit our heads against the wall about it sometimes. Yeah, so are clinics coming to you well-informed about this and just need help with the contracts? Or have some clinics been, say, contacted at this point I'm not sure if anybody's been contacted yeah so there are there are audits that are happening so sometimes people come to us when there's an audit happening wanting to get their house in order and there are some clinics that have never really thought about this and they're coming to us wanting a whole suite of documents and a whole lot of work done uh, and advices on um, what the best thing to do is but a lot of people are obviously very informed. You know, your your, your podcast, for example, um, the Facebook groups people are in, but there's a lot of community discussion mm-hmm. about these issues, which yeah. is helpful for us as lawyers. We already love working with doctors and practice managers because they're smart and they understand things quickly. But when they're already informed about things, it does help. Yeah, perfect. And so are you working with clients across Australia right now? So if anybody's listening to that going, wow, I need to contact a lawyer. Are you open to working with everyone across Australia? Yes. Yep. We work with with clients in all territories and all states of Australia. So perfect. Is there anything they need to do to get their house in order before giving you a call or are you ready to uh, we're ready, but I guess some people do want us to take a look at their existing contract. So if they, as part of contacting us, want to send the their contract, then yeah. um, we can look at it before we have a call. And just one last question. Say, for example, with even before the doctor has come on board, even with advertising, I'm just thinking because in an advertisement mm. you would say, oh, I want the doctor to work. These are the hours. These are the days. Yes. So even with a, with an advertisement, is that something that you would discuss with, with practices? Yeah, we, we have been providing ad marketing advice and advertising advice to clients as well, just to ensure that independence is portrayed through the marketing of their websites and also through what they're seeking to attract. It's unlikely, I think, that the payroll tax or the state revenue officers would look at the ads but I guess it's possible it's yeah 
I might have given yeah. you the idea. <laughs> you might have. <laughs> so yeah, just another thing I suppose to even be even be conscious of at this stage, right? Like maybe even just adding mm. in a blurb in there that the hours are negotiable or mm. something. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for coming on. And I will link Very in the welcome. show notes um your website, your podcast, of course, if people want to have a listen to that. Yes. And yeah, you're welcome and open to business across Australia, which is awesome. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.